Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Great to be with you here as we discuss everything happening in the world of the New York Islanders. And look, the NHL, one thing we need to discuss, some of the plans the NHL is looking at to help resume either the season or the playoffs, but to in some way make sure that the Stanley Cup is declared this year, that a winner is decided in the spring or summer of 2020. We will also have this date in Islanders history, a big division win to look back at, and a big game from Mike Bossy. And we will have part two of our look back at the greatest season in Islanders history, that being 1981-82, the third straight year that the Islanders won the Stanley Cup. So we've got all that to discuss on today's show. Don't forget, if you have a question or a comment or a topic that you'd like us to discuss, uh, please feel free to drop us an email, send us your name, where you're from, and uh, the email address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com, and just let us know what's on your mind. We're happy to mention you on the air when we talk about your topic of choice. You can also follow the show on Twitter. The Twitter address is at Locked on Isles, and you can contact us through our Twitter address as well. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. And uh, again, we'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and notes in the world of the New York Islanders. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, hey, please let your friends know and your family all about it. Spread the word, and you can also help us by leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. That helps other Islander fans and hockey fans find the podcast when they do a search, and it's always greatly appreciated. All right, so... The latest news coming out right now is that the NHL is exploring the possibility of using a neutral site to play the Stanley Cup playoffs, even if they have to play it without any fans in the building. And according to some published reports coming from Elliot Friedman out in Canada, What the league is doing, among other things, is examining the possibility of playing a playoff kind of a tournament in North Dakota. Now, 
the reasons for this are a few. First of all, Grand Forks, North Dakota is home of the University of North Dakota hockey team, a well-known, very good college hockey team, and they have some very good facilities there under the circumstances. There are eight NHL-ready locker rooms, according to this report, and two sheets of ice under one roof. So, realistically, you could play two games at a time with up to eight teams using the locker room facilities at a time. And the thing about North Dakota is it is one of the states in the United States with the least amount of population density. That means that the odds of spreading the coronavirus while in North Dakota are significantly lower than if you're in Chicago, New York, Long Island, Brooklyn, uh, Los Angeles, or any other major population center, Toronto, Calgary, wh- wh- wherever it is that you're talking about, the odds are that it would be a little bit safer, hopefully, in North Dakota, where less people are and those people are more spread out, than it would be elsewhere. The league could certainly televise games there and Look, you're not worried about selling tickets. You're not worried about much. You need... There are still, however, some logistics that need to be worked out. First of all, uh, and, and according to the report, these plans are in the early preliminary stages. But first of all, is North Dakota willing to do it? Uh, do they have enough hotel space to put up the teams in the tournament and the referees and the officials and the crew that is needed to maintain the ice and the cameramen and everyone else that would be needed in order to put on some kind of a playoff tournament. And even if we're talking about, you know, 16 teams making the playoffs, uh, you know, There's eight locker rooms, and yeah, I guess teams could try to share them, although that may also present some logistical problems. But, you know, you're looking at a situation where, you know, does North Dakota want to do this? They may not be willing to. They may want to. It obviously could be lucrative for the surrounding area to host an event like that. Obviously, they would need to make travel arrangements. There would need to be a medical uh, go-ahead in order to get this done. But it is one of the things that the NHL is trying to work out. And what it would mean, essentially, is no, we may not have uh, hockey coming you know, back to the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, we may not be able to attend a game. But to be able to sit home when we're quarantined or, you know, self-isolating or whatever, and be able to watch live NHL hockey games, including hopefully Islanders hockey, uh, would certainly be a big step back toward normalcy for a lot of people. And certainly something that would take our minds off of what's going on and would entertain people. So whether it's North Dakota or some other location in the United States or Canada, rest assured right now, the powers that be in the NHL 
are trying their best to find a solution to this. And look, there's a lot of money on the line for the league, for the players. You want to talk about the salary cap and the escrow account, obviously. All concerned, if they can get it done safely, will want to have the Stanley Cup awarded at some point in 2020. All right, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we will take a look back at a big game for Mike Bossy on this date in Islanders history. We'll talk a little bit more about the greatest season in Islanders history, 1981-82, and a whole lot more. So stay with us. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, real quick, uh, MSG Plus airing Islander games from earlier this season all week. So fans, if you want to check these out tonight uh, on uh, Tuesday night, Islanders in Ottawa back on November 5th, uh, and then the following, following that at 11 o'clock, it's 7 o'clock the Islanders in Ottawa, at 11 o'clock the Islanders and Pittsburgh as the, uh, this, these games are all from November and therefore they're all part of the point streak, uh, on Wednesday night, uh, the Islanders Florida game from November 9th, and then the Islanders Maple Leafs game from November 13th, and that's always a, a, a something good because you're going to look back as John Tavares faces the Islanders again. Two more games on Thursday night, Islanders Flyers from November 16th at 7 o'clock at 11, Islanders Penguins from November 19th. Uh, so again, plenty to watch on MSG+. Plus. You can also find old Islander games and highlights and fight videos on YouTube, and uh, the NHL's website and app have some old Islander games on them as well. So uh, just wanted to share some of the sources out there that, uh, you know, if you are looking for things to do and looking for ways to stay in touch with Islanders hockey, that is certainly one way to do it. All right. This date in Islanders history, big Patrick division matchup. Islanders coming into this game 50, 15, and 14, hosting the Philadelphia Flyers 39, 25, and 15. So two very talented division rivals going at it at the Nassau Coliseum. A sellout crowd of 14,995 on hand. Wayne Stevenson, the goalie for the Flyers, against battling Billy Smith for the Islanders. Wally Harris was the referee in this one. Islanders get on the board first. Mike Bossy, his 64th goal of the year from Bob Lorimer and Brian Trottier at 523, and the Islanders were quickly up one to nothing. Wayne Merrick adds to that lead later on in the period, uh, at 14.06, Merrick is 19th from Nystrom and Lorimer. And then Mike Bossy makes it 3 nothing Islanders with just a minute 27 left in the first period. Bossy's second of the game, 65th of the season from John Tonelli and Brian Trache. And after 20 minutes, the Islanders led 3 to nothing. In the second period, the Flyers get on the board Dennis Vervagard, an old Vancouver Canucks star now playing for the Flyers, he got his 18th from Ken Lindsman and Bill Barber 
at 418, and it was 3-1, to one, but the Islanders would not let that they wouldn't let the Flyers get any closer. Clark Gillies, his 35th from Billy Harris and Dave Lewis at 13.02. And then a mere 43 seconds later, Bossy completes his hat trick, his 66th goal of the year from Dave Lewis and Pat Price at 14.15. Bobby Nystrom, his 18th from Bourne. Bob Bourne and Wayne Merrick at 16:39, and suddenly it's six to one Islanders. Bill Barber gets a goal in the final minute of the second period for Philadelphia, his 34th from Dennis Vervagard at 19:20, and after 40 minutes, it's Islanders six, Flyers two. Islanders though weren't done yet. Believe it or not, there were only eight penalty minutes in this game, and for the Flyers back then, that is the exception rather than the rule, but Ben Wilson heads off for tripping at 2.37. Islanders cash in on the power play. Who else? Mike Bossy, his fourth goal of the game, 67th of the season from Brian Trottier and Dennis Potvin at 4.23, and then Bob Bourne scoring twice, first at 6.41 from Maine Merrick and Bob Nystrom, and then at 12.51, Bourne his second of the game, 30th of the season, so a milestone goal for Bob Bourne. Again, Wayne Merrick and Bob Nystrom, the helpers. Islanders end up skating away with a convincing, dominating 9-2 performance. Lots of multi-point games in this one. Bob Lorimer with two assists, Wayne Merrick a goal and three assists, Bob Bourne two goals and one helper, Brian Trottier had three assists, Mike Bossy four goals, Bobby Nystrom a goal and three assists, and Dave Lewis, the defenseman, with two assists in this game. As for plus minus, Dave Lewis leads the Islanders with a plus five, while Bob Nystrom and Wayne Merrick were each a plus four. And as far as shots on goal, believe it or not, the leader in shots on goal did not score. Dennis Potvin, who had one assist in the game, nine shots on goal to lead the Islanders. Bossy's five, uh, four goals came on five shots on goal for the game. Islanders out shooting the Flyers. 34 to 32 and Robbie Moore came in and mopped up for Wayne Stevenson in this one. Uh as far as Billy Smith goes, he made 30 saves to improve his record on the season to 25, 8 and 4. The Islanders skate away with a 9 to 2 win over the Flyers on this date in Islanders history, April 7th. 1979 at the Old Barn in Uniondale. All right, we'll come back. We'll resume our discussion of the greatest season in Islanders history, 1981-82. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Islanders podcast. We're going to go back again to 1981-82, which was the best season in Islanders history. Yesterday, we talked about some of the deals that Bill Torrey made before the season got underway, and one of those deals 
resulted in the draft pick that became Pat LaFontaine for the Islanders. And the Islanders were 8-1-2 and two in the month of October. And they closed out that month with a 2-1 to one win over the Montreal Canadiens at the fabulous Forum in Montreal. And back then, not too many teams won very often uh, in Montreal. And the Islanders pulled it off. But in that game... Mike Bossy suffered a pulled groin injury, and essentially, that was a, a potential setback for the Islanders. How good was Bossy? 11 goals and 18 points in the month of October. So, again, you know, the Islanders play 12 games, and Bossy has 11 goals and 18 points to start the season. They expected him to miss some time, but he does come back and play the next game four days later, a 2-2 two to two tie at the Coliseum against the Calgary Flames. Overall, a sloppy game. Dave Longevin, the defenseman, uh, was out of the lineup for the third straight game there with a knee injury. But at the end of the day, the Islanders and the Flames skated to a 2-2 two -two tie. Now, the Islanders had one of their worst performances of the season on November 7th, 1981 at the Coliseum against the Buffalo Sabres. The Islanders fall in this game 6-2, to two, and they allowed officially five power play goals in this game, and the sixth Buffalo goal came exactly one second after Brian Trottier returned to the ice at the end of a penalty. So, Officially five power play goals, but overall six power play goals, really. And that ended a six-game unbeaten streak for the Islanders. It ended Billy Smith's personal seven-game unbeaten streak. And it ended an 11-game point streak for Mike Bossy. So, you know, not the kind of game that you want to have, especially at home. And then the Islanders head out to Western Canada for two they beat Winnipeg 5-3, and then Toronto 4-3. And, you know, Bossy gets two goals in the win over Winnipeg. Wayne Merrick nets the game winner. Roland Melanson with 34 saves. And then the next night, Bob Nystrom scoring on a three-on-one breakaway with a minute eight left to lead the Islanders to a 4-3 win over the Maple Leafs at the Maple Leaf Gardens. And again, you know, the beautiful thing about it, Wayne Merrick gets the game winner one night, Nystrom the other, different players coming up big at different times. Now, again, some sloppy hockey at different times, a 5-4 loss in Philly, a 7-2 loss at Le Colisee in Quebec, and suddenly, you know, the Islanders were on an 0-2-1 streak, so what do they do? They put together a four-game winning streak that included 4-3 win over the Rangers at the Coliseum, and then the next night, a 7-2 win over the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. And anytime back then especially, you take four points in back-to-back -back games against the Rangers, big division wins. Big boost for the crowd, big boost for the fan base, 
and certainly the way you want to right the ship as the Islanders turn around that winless streak and end up going on a four-game winning streak to boot. Who else gets the game-winning goal in the 4-3 win at the Coliseum? Well, Dennis Potvan. He scored twice in that game. And look, when you look back at it, and Dennis Potvan, a legitimate Hall of Famer, but he really saved so many of his best games for games against the Rangers. And you know that whole, you know, Potvan chant that they even still do at Madison Square Garden today? For some reason, that just brought out the best in Dennis Potvan. And, you know, he jokes about it now when I've spoken to him or or been at different press conferences that he was being interviewed at. You know, he would say, oh, I thought they were saying Potvan Cups. And, you know, he makes a joke about it. It certainly did get to him on a certain level. But what he did was he turned around and made it into something that, really uh, gave him inspiration to quiet the fans and and to play his best hockey. In the 7-2 win on November 22nd, two goals for Dwayne Sutter and three assists for rookie defenseman Tomas Janssen as the Islanders win 7-2, 31 saves for Billy Smith and uh, Herb Brooks, the uh, Rangers coach at the time, after the game, calling Smith one of the best goaltenders in hockey. Late in the first period, the Islanders got a pair of goals in a minute, 18 seconds. Uh, John Tonelli getting the first one, and, and then the Islanders just pulling away from there, earning a 7-2 win at Madison Square Garden. They follow that up with a 3-1 win over the Boston Bruins at the Coliseum. And then they take on the St. Louis Blues at the Coliseum and beat them 9-2. Why was that game special? Well, here's the thing. In that game, St. Louis Blues defenseman Jim Pavese made his NHL debut at the age of 19 He was a native of Kings Park, Long Island, and grew up rooting for the Islanders. The Blues called him up from Sault Ste. Marie of the Ontario Junior Hockey League, and he ended up making his NHL debut against the Islanders. Islanders went on to win the game 9-2. Pavisi had one shot on goal in the third period, did not get credited with any goals or assists, but again at least went on to make his first appearance in an NHL game. And, you know, back then, in the late 70s, early 80s, not a lot of native Long Islanders in the National Hockey League. Really, the birth of the Islanders helped hockey grow on Long Island. And, you know, that made a big difference as far as how many people were playing the sport and then going on to play it competitively. Meanwhile, the Islanders now also during this month, early on in November, had an ownership change. John O. Pickett Jr. took over as the only owner of the Islanders, or 
So, you know, the team was refinanced back in 1978. Pickett had uh, a percentage of the ownership at that point. But right now, instead of 55%, he completed a transaction back in November of 1981 to purchase all of the team, the remaining 45% of the club, and there were 35 partners involved, cost Pickett another $5.8 million. And I don't even want to think about what it would cost to get to the Islanders and run them today. Meanwhile, the Islanders finished the month of November with a 14-6-4 record. And again, clearly demonstrating that they were the best team in the National Hockey League at that point. All right, that's going to do it for us right here on Locked on Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NHL, and we'll keep you up to date on a national perspective of the world of hockey. Have a great day. Stay safe, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with more great Islanders coverage here on the Locked on Islanders podcast. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Have a great day, and let's go Islanders.